Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, the Flying V edition, where we talk to incredible people who are creating impact and ripples on the pond. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and the founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that is what makes them awesome. Today, my guest is Shannon Waller, author, coach, speaker, program designer, fellow podcaster, an all-around great human being. Shannon is the director and teamwork coach at Strategic Coach, a coaching program specifically designed for highly successful entrepreneurs. In the program, you discover your unique ability. Here's Shannon's. Intuitively perceiving the essence of a situation, then innovating and compassionately communicating practical strategies to align people's thinking to what's real so they're happy with themselves. Maximizing their growth, working as a team, and fulfilling their purpose. Yep, that's Shannon, all right. Shannon is lighthearted and serious-minded. Shannon helps entrepreneurs expand, grow, and become an author of their own domain. This is how Shannon gets to better the pond on a daily basis. Listen to the episode, and you'll get to know her, and you'll want to create some ripples on your own pond. Ladies and gentlemen, Shannon Waller. (laughs) All right. Shannon Waller, my good friend, you're an author, speaker, Uh coach, fellow podcaster, um, an amazing all-around great human being, good friend of mine, and the list would go on and on and on forever, but we've only got so much time. Shannon Waller, I, from Strategic Coach, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. This has been a long time coming. Warren, I am so excited. First of all, I'm excited to see you because it's been way too long. Um, and I'm delighted to be in your podcast. You're one of my my fellow Colby buddies who's done amazing work and amazing research. And I've always appreciated our like-mindedness. Um, so I can't wait to have a conversation. Yes, this is gonna be absolutely fantastic. And I was gonna go, I was gonna give a little bit of a shout out because uh you uh heard you on Andre Brisson and his impulsive thinker podcast, which is yeah. fantastic. So we're gonna put that out there. For people to uh, listen to as well and of course your team success podcast we want to put that out there as well for people to do for so um because you're just again an all-around amazing human being so we met originally what through i, I can't remember, we met through colby i think originally and then of course i was a member of strategic coach at one point and of course 31 years nine months you've been with strategic coach and so it's been a long time coming and uh, and yeah, so it's about time that we got together to do this. I totally agree. I it's very few people know it's thirty-one years and nine months. So well done. <laughs> Did yeah, you July of ninety-one. So, months. yep, long time. Okay, it is a long time. All right. So uh, first of all, Shannon, uh, to jump into this, can you tell us sort of a little bit, just sort of a synopsis and roundabout way of um, about Strategic Coach and and what you do with Strategic Coach? Absolutely, Strategic Coach is. I just want to say it's awesome. 
uh, is why does it feel like it's a long time that I've um, been associated with Dan Sullivan and Bab Smith. So Strategic Coach is an incredible program and community. It's really, a, we now talk about it as a membership. So when you join Strategic Coach, you're joining this incredible entrepreneurial world that is really all about enhancing entrepreneurial success, freedom, and happiness. That is our raison d'etre. That's our reason for being is to expand entrepreneurial success, freedom, and happiness. Uh, and so we've been doing that since, well, the program started in November of 89. I joined in July of 1991. We've seen it grow from, I think I was number six on the team. Um, now we're well over 100 in Toronto, Chicago, uh, in the UK. We do our workshops in London. Uh, we've got clients, global clients from all over the world, over 2,500. So it really has expanded. And it's um, so it's this, it's this all-encompassing experience that's really based on the core of it is the four workshop days um, during the year, once a quarter, where you come in to think about your thinking. And for entrepreneurs who are super busy, head down, super you know ambitious, they've got big drive, big goals, to actually stop, take a breath, slow down, and go through not only um, incredible thinking tools to help you. It's really about your own experience. We don't tell you how to do anything. You know this. Mm -hmm. you know, we might give you an idea, like our entrepreneurial time system of free days, focus days, and buffer days. You have to figure out what's a focus day for you, what you want to do on your free days, how many of them you want in a quarter. All of that is is your own volition, your own thinking. And uh, and then we also really help, like to help you get to know yourself better, of which Colby is a huge part. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, Warren, but we now, when people register for coach, even before they start, they're given what we call a strengths package. So they get their Colby profile, they get their Clifton strengths, and another awesome profile called Prince mm -hmm. that is done um, in correlation with one of our coaches, Adrian Duffy, and then the fabulous Paul Hertz uh, Institute. So, you know, just all ways of getting to know yourself better so you can understand what the freedom to be yourself actually means, um, which is really exciting. So it's this whole growth program. Again, it's really based around thinking about your thinking. Uh, and we get to see people shed the stuff they don't like doing, lean hard into things they love doing, their unique ability, having a bigger impact, um, you know, growing 10 times. And then the ultimate level in coach is what we now call free zone. And this is where you're free from competition. Otherwise, no one is entrepreneurial heaven, as Dan. <laughs> so I just, I love it. It's all things entrepreneurial. I'm passionate about the team and the relationship part of it. So I'm all about how do people work better together, again, which is where you and I connect so much. Uh, so yeah, that's, I, I know that's kind of a bit of a broad definition, uh, but it's it's phenomenal to have this community of like-minded, growth-oriented, how does, Dan talks about it as ambitious, talented, ambitious, um, and cooperative, collaborative entrepreneurs. And that's really who's in coach and who stays in coach. Um, and it's it's just a privilege to be a part of it. And I, and I sometimes I look, I'm like, look at my day. Look who I get to talk to. Like, look who I get to hang out with. Look at the program I participate in. And it's it's such a joy. So that's a little bit of a taste of strategic coach. That's that's what we're about. Love it. And I will say that in my in my time with strategic coach, um, it again, thinking about your thinking, it totally, it changed my whole thought process. Um, understanding my unique ability was an absolute massive game changer in my life to position myself to what I do best. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I loved about Coach um, was the people I got to hang out with. And, yes. and, I, and I, you know, between quarters, like you'd miss them. 
And, you know, yeah. and there's still some relationships. It's been years now, but there's still, still some relationships that I still have maintained from from back then um, because there's such amazing like-minded people that, yeah, it was just, it, 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 was, it was a vacuum of just great people. And I, that's uh-huh. the one thing I really absolutely loved about it. And I will say just over here, you can't see it obviously, but I still have all my strategic coach binders all lined up. And, um, uh, and, and in fact, I have a binder here from the goal cultivator. If you want to go back way back. That's interesting. That's, that, that, that's a scarce resource right now. Cause we just, <laughs> well, we just continued on purpose. <laughs> um, so that's hang on to that. That's worth something. All right. Well, that'll go into the museum one day, the strategic <laughs> coach museum. All there right. So Shannon, what got you from being a gosling? And I'm talking like you're where where were you hatched? What was your humble beginnings I to leaving that. the nest when you actually had to go out on your own? Either you left the nest or your parents give you a gentle nudge in order for you to fly. Um, to where you are today. Shannon Waller, what is your backstory? Oh my goodness. Um, I'll try and make it short. Uh so my backstory is so Two fabulous parents, Marilyn and Bob, uh, and Mara's still around. My dad passed away a few years ago. And so I was raised, I would call, I call them hippie parents. Ah. <laughs> Funny. Although my dad was a lawyer in small town, Hanover, Ontario. So small, small town. I think when I was there, it was probably 2,500, 3,500 people, maybe up to five or 6,000 now. We're not sure. Uh, anyway, great. Hanover, Ontario. Hanover, Ontario. That's where that's where you that's where you began your life. Yeah, technically, I'm born in I was born in um, Burlington, but six months old, I moved to Hanover. So I actually was a small town kid. And then my my dad, my mom got restless. My dad was, I guess, ready for change or (laughs) trying to keep our family happy. We moved to Toronto, and that I have to tell you, this was country mouse moving to the city. It, It was it was a very awkward transition. I was. I was very naive when I moved to Toronto. So it took a while. Now I can't imagine anything else. Of course, I love the convenience of the city. But I also do, we, my husband, my, my family, we have a, a cottage property, which I love. So I'm, I, I'm partly, I'm a nature child in some ways, and then also just love the, love the city. So that's kind of how I started um, and then progressed. When I went to university, it was really interesting because my family going to university was a thing. But I could not decide for the life of me, Warren, what the heck I wanted to take. So I ended up with philosophy, which is just the most impractical thing of life. I uh, did one year at a university, didn't love it, um, then came back, worked for a year, went, oh, okay, this is why I want to go to school. Went back to Western, had a great time, knew why I was there, uh, finished. They only had a three-year degree in the program that I was in, but it was all about people and and their thinking, and people in business. And which is still to this day my passion. I'm one of the few people I know who have a degree in what what she's doing. So I I kind of think of what I do as organization development for entrepreneurial companies. Um, so I have I have the world's longest degree title for a three year degree. It's Bachelor of Arts Administrative and Commercial Studies, Social Organization and Human Relations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that isn't even how I got to go. Uh, so, so did that, worked for a really interesting company uh, for three and a half years, but I, I was on the admin side, which if you know my Colby, which you do, it's like, that's the stupidest idea of life. Um, not that I'm, I, I have a brain, which I appreciate, but still I would get all my admin work done against the deadline. 
late at night on the highest billable hours, probably because I was not doing work I was supposed to do. Um, anyway, one of our clients at that location was Strategic Coach. So they would come in and rent our seminar room space. So super quick story. I um, They had approached my friend Ross, with whom I worked. You know you know Ross really well. Uh, you know Ross Slater. Let's give him a shout out. Hey, Ross. Hey, Ross. Love you. Um, and he and I became very fast friends, and we've been friends ever since. And I think we he and I met in 1990. So we're still friends 43 years later, which is kind of cool. And uh, so what happened was he was approached by a strategic coach to come and do something with them. And because we were friends, he told me, I'm like, ooh, you know, he was going to introductory presentation. I'm like, see if I can come to you. So we did. We went in. We went to this. If, this is the day of slides. Okay. So this, okay. if you could imagine the slide carousel. Yeah. We go into this dark room. My colleague, Susan, or well, my later colleague, Susan. So the salesperson, Susan, was kind of setting up the room. These six men at the time in suits came in and then dan was there dan sullivan and he was in the corner and all the lights went off and we were sitting in the back and this disembodied room voice from the corner kind of explains how the world was shifting from the industrial into the knowledge economy and how you need to be successful in this change and it turned out all all the people in the room were entrepreneurs so we left thanks susan went back to the office and she called 15 minutes later after we got back and she asked she talked to ross she goes, Ross, can I talk to your friend Shannon? He goes, yeah, here, here she is. I didn't know later that she didn't know that I worked <laughs> where to find me. And she just asked me two really interesting questions. She said, did you enjoy the presentation? I said, I loved it. I knew all of those pieces of information, but I'd never put them together that way. Dan's brilliant at integrating. Uh, and then she asked me the second question, which was the critical one, which is, are you happy with what you're doing? And out of my mouth pops, no, I'm bored. Five weeks later, I was on board with the coach. And I, she asked me how much I need to live on because it was going to be commission, and I calculated it, but I forgot taxes. So it was a very lean first two and a half years. I used to have to borrow rent money for my sister, Julia Waller, who also gets a shout out. Um, anyway, so but I made it, thank goodness. And so that was really my start at coach. And uh, so it was just one of those things where, for me, it was – I wanted a chance to make more of a difference. I wanted to work directly with clients, and that's really what I what I had a chance to do. So I started off in sales, but then after three another three and a half years, I got bored. I thought my brain was going to rust. Went back to school, got a, started a certificate in training, came up with the idea for a one-day workshop for team members because my clients were calling me saying, can you please explain what I'm doing to co a coach because I'm not doing a good job. And then one day a team member called me and said, could you please explain because I don't get it. And I was like, the light bulb went on. So I had to come up with the idea for a course as a school project through Ryerson University. And then uh, and I told Babs, and she goes, great, let's do it. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Dan designed my first workshop, and then I started coaching the following November of 95, and I had gotten certified in, in Colby that year. So being certified in Colby made all the difference to my confidence level because I was coaching people very different than my MO. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then my career was set you know me coaching me working with team members is how that came out so then create an entrepreneurial attitude exercise because some of the people who showed up did not have one um so with ross and other team members came up with that out of that came the team success handbook the team success podcast we also have a video series then multiplication by subtraction for people the, the really the the graceful way to exit non-fit wrong fit team members that's the subtitle of that book I also worked on the Unique Ability books with Julia and Catherine. So, and now, and now I'm coaching 
you know, coached the team leader program for years. We've got team leader, team tools, strategic assistant, all the things. Um, and now I'm coaching our 10X program, which is the second level of our program, which is just a joy. I love every second of it. Uh, so I feel very privileged to kind of stay in my unique ability, keep making a difference, keep contributing, keep expanding that value creation based on what people need. Um, and that's kind of the hmm, short-ish synopsis. Okay. I, I want to ta take you back. There's, well, there's a couple different things here that I'd like to un unwrap. But one of them, I, I think it's what's fascinating is that with your beginnings with Coach, you know, like meet, meeting Ross, hitting it off. And then, oh, and, and it just so happens that they're doing this presentation in that building. Like, so that how I, how I see this from what you said was it found you, you didn't find it. Well, it's, yeah, it's true. Like Susan called, um, and, and we were actually in, like, we had to travel a little bit to, to get to the space. Um, but she, yeah, she, I mean, a, I was open. I was curious and I was open, which is curious is actually my word for 2023, um, which is kind of fun. I was curious. I was interested. Um, and then when I showed that somehow, I mean, Susan met me for seconds. She was totally focused on these potential clients mm -hmm. and somehow whatever, however, I just showed up. Thank goodness. I'm very grateful. Um, yeah. Had her call, call Ross slash me. Um, and then I was brave slash stupid enough to say yes. Uh, <laughs> because I didn't really figure it all out in advance. Um, but yeah, I think it really did find me and, and, you know, it goes back. Warren, when I was trying to like applying for jobs after university, like most people send out hundreds and hundreds of resumes. I sent out six. Hmm. That was weird. And I didn't even get a job through that. I ended up going through a friend of my dad's at new, uh, the company was called new service Alliance. And so I was so picky back then. It's kind of a miracle that strategic coach ended up in my lap and, and thank goodness I said, yes, best, best, one of my best life decisions ever, maybe next to marrying my husband. It was definitely one of the best life decisions I've ever made. Yeah, that's really fascinating when you say that because, again, and I go back to the saying that it found you. So, you know, you only put six resumes, you know, and all these things happen. But yet, you, you just happen to meet Ross, go to this thing. There's an attraction there, right? They find you. You say yes, and everything changes, right? Yep. So the six, you know, you didn't even need to send out the six resumes because the fact is that path is already, the path is already made for you anyway. Right, right. So I'll take you back a little bit um, to your, your, you know, your younger days as a gosling. Um, when when you were young, and go back to you can go back to public school and maybe going to high school. Um, two questions. Number one, did you, looking back, did you have an interest in people, um, thinking, philosophy, psychology, all those pieces? Back, looking way back when, when you were a kid. I did. And I was also, again, raised by my parents who were kind of into thinking about their thinking. We were raised as uh, part of a trust community, which is not anything bad. It's all good. And so I was used to people, kind of an offshoot of the 70s, um, you know, kind of like exploring who they were, what they were thinking, creating community was very much a part of my upbringing. Um, brilliant book by Jack Gibb, which I can't, Dr. Jack Gibb, called Trust. Um, and that's what the foundation of this community was. So I was kind of used to those deeper topics and that human experience, which was interesting and to grow up in because it was kind of like major holidays. It wasn't every every day, but that's kind of the environment that my family was into. And then I meet school children and they have no clue what I'm talking about. This was not pop popular culture. So it, it kind of made me a bit of a misfit 
when it came to school, I didn't fit in easily. I was very gullible. Oh my God, stuff I got tricked into is embarrassing. Um, so that kind of made it challenging. Now, does it make me, it made me so much more astute and aware as an adult. And I have a much, much, much bigger bandwidth than most people. So I'm very grateful for my upbringing, but it made it pretty darn awkward as I was growing up. And then later I was, you know, I, um, with my Colby, which is 3295 for those most people, most listeners I've hired Pope are familiar with Colby MOs. Um, so long, quick start, short fact finder, short, short follow through. I'm intelligent, thank goodness. But I didn't have a lot of fact finder follow through to bring to school. So I was, I wondered why I was always the one writing the paper at 2 a.m. <laughs> the deadline. So this my, was high school. This was in university. Just the pattern continued. Right. My 2486, I, I am with you. I am so with you, Shannon. Uh, oh. Right. There were so many things I talk about. Even when I speak, some of the things like show your work made no sense to me. And right. And, you know, and there I am at, you know, you know, two o'clock in the morning, finishing the paper up and then changing it first thing before I actually hand it in. Right. And then getting heck because, well, but, but you knew it had to be handed in. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Colby was like knowing, learning my Colby profile was so incredibly validating, mm -hmm. justified so much of my, explained so much of my experience and justified. Yeah. Um, because my, we know our creativity doesn't kick in until the deadline. Right. And, and there's one situation that was <laughs> my poor friend. So there was, a, we had to read this long book. Oh, I think it was, it was Great Expectations, Dickens, torturous book to get through, just mm -hmm. saying. And we had to write a book report. So I read the first five pages, the middle five pages and the last five pages. And I wrote a book report and I was critical of it. This is a secret to getting a good mark, by the way. And I was, and I, <laughs> but I end up getting, I think I got an A minus and my friend got a B who'd read the entire book, had all the things. And she was so mad. I don't blame her. And the only criticism was could have used more examples. I'm like, no, Sherlock. Of course it could. <laughs> but I was just so definitive in my in the negative opinion because I really did not enjoy the book. Um, anyway, it was so I could occasionally pull off miracles, but no one could check my work because I never gave, I never had time. <laughs> Did they want to read it at 4 a.m.? Probably not. <laughs> but yeah. but here's the thing is, and I always tell people, especially with short fact finders, is never underestimate the power of simplification. Brilliant. Yes. Never. Okay. Never underestimate the power of simplification. Didn't, wasn't it Mark Twain or someone said, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have the time to make it short. That's correct. I mean, yeah, right? It would have made it shorter if I only had the time. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Much better. Um, and it, it's so true. And and unfortunately for me, well, maybe other people like you and me, academia wants the long version. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, why? Why? Ross, this is a fun story. Ross had someone come in to do business writing. It was a professor from York University. And he really liked her. And, I, and so she had us you know, submit samples of work. I'm like, you know, I think I don't actually write enough. She goes, that's never the problem. Everyone writes too much and we need to edit. And then I handed her my stuff and she goes, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it needed more explanation, not less, which apparently is not most people's issue. So I'm going to share this this one thing before I move on because i got to be a good steward of time. But this, I think this is fascinating, Shannon. I love sharing this because it's, it's, a, it's a problem I'm trying to solve in business. Um, and so if you look at when I, you know, I, cause I speak for tech Canada, so I have a lot of tech Canada members in my, in my database, my Colby. Now this Great. is fascinating. Out of, so everyone that's in tech is in a leadership position. 
every single one. So out of our whole entire database, when I look at the what we call resistant fact finder, so you know that to my guests from people who have a short fact finder, um, do you want to know the percentage of short fact finders in leadership roles that I have got from what I've gathered so far? Give me a percentage. Uh, the, my percentage actually comes from my analysis of our clientele, and it was 40%. Do you want to know what mine is? No. What, yes, I do want to know. What is it? Six. Six percent resistant? Six percent resistant fact fighters in my whole entire data, in my database, all of Tech Canada. So that means that now are are they are they? What are the rest of the percentages? So that, like uh, off the top of my head, again in details, um, there's actually equally distributed between accommodating and initiating. Right. Higher in initiating. Isn't that fascinating? Now, what do you have the numbers for the quick, the percentage of the quick start? Uh, not not in my head. I'm just okay. I'm going on this piece because what I the what I'm the what I'm coming to sort of terms with is that because we we seem to reward the people with you know the reports and the data and the research and the analysis and all those things we reward that but we don't we don't reward simplification. And I go mm -hmm. back to that's one of the reasons I want to get into education to say how many kids in school get good marks for simplifying right and i think it's and i think it's the same in business i don't yeah. think we get rewarded for simplification never underestimate the power of simplification that is fascinating okay now i always want to profile everybody <laughs> um. so anyway i just want to throw that out at you you know and i think because i think it's interesting so there's people like you who are in, you know and you said it earlier you said something really smart you said i'm not a good manager i'm a good leader and there's a big difference between those two and and I think when you take those people that are in you know leadership roles that are 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 like you and I, yeah, we're we're much better leaders than we are managers. Uh huh. It, it's interesting. My husband uh, worked for Bell Canada for thirty seven years, and he was he was at the director level, and he was really clear because he would often have to present. He was in charge of like capital budget of one point one billion dollars. It was crazy, and his his team he had the highest highest uh, employee satisfaction level in the entire company. On his team, so I'm super proud of him for that. Uh, but he's a two two ten four, so he would he had PhDs working for him. But he was super clear that when he was going to present to VPs and the executive P's, VPs in the super high level, he said, "I have to tell the story." So he was a master at simplification, and they wanted Bruce Green's his name. They wanted Bruce's take on it. Now, they probably would appreciate a little more follow through too. Um, but they really appreciated him telling the story and boiling it down to the essence and the bottom line, because that's at the super high executive level of a large corporation. Mm -hmm. How he lasted for that long is a miracle. Um, but it's it's kind of interesting because that they have to make decisions on the condensed information. So it actually is a really valuable skill or valuable quality to have if you are aware and if it, so, I've always found that kind of interesting. He was totally an anomaly, though. Like he would, he'd be using your six percent. There it is. <laughs> because most people didn't do it that way. But he had again, and I've and I worked with his team. I would go and give free Colby presentations to his team. And it's like, yeah, have you ever noticed that you're at his office door and his eyes glaze over, and they all broke out laughing because <laughs> they're like, because they're eight and nine fact finders. Right. That's who was on his team. But he had them doing the deep data dive. So that he could tell the story to the higher ups, which I always found was an interesting dynamic that fits into your model. Yeah, and I find what's interesting about that, what I love about it, is that um, with his mo, he'd be such a great storyteller, right? That's, He's a right? brilliant storyteller. Real and brilliant storyteller, right? So just one last thing, 
And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to find it because I want to bookend this because you understand this. And our, I hope our listeners will understand this as well. But um, but at the other end, with long the initiating implementers, do you want to know how many initiating implementers I've found within that database of with tech? I don't even want to guess. I'm going to guess it's really small. 4%. 4%. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me either. That makes a little more sense, but... But, uh, and usually those ones that are there, are, you know, never want to be behind their desk anyway. So they're just trying to find a way out to the shop. But. Well, and, and often they're in, they're more in real estate, land, equipment, um, that kind of thing. They're often out. They're really often really great, great problem solvers. Um, and usually they're not ahead of a big company. They might be ahead of their own, right? The other people I've found that are initiating implementers are, all the hands-on, obviously, they're hands-on people, but like mechanics or people own mechanic shops or artisans. Mm-hmm. One of our, one of Julie's and my really good family friends. It's his birthday today. Um, he's just, he's this incredible wood wood turner. Like mm-hmm. makes art out of wood. He does pens and I don't know, just all of all of this stuff. Paul Collard's his name, and you know, just watching him craft what he can do. His wife's a jewelry designer, also another initiating implementer. So that's where they're, they tend to be more like sole proprietors mm-hmm. rather than managing, if I'm going to completely generalize. Um, that's what I see. But what I found is, in my, in what, which is really interesting on this, is that the ones that are, are in bigger business don't enjoy it. No. That's what I found out. So Well, they can't use their, they can't strive in that area. Yeah. yeah. Like it's frustrating. Architects maybe when they're building their 3D models, but that's kind of it. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting. So anyway, okay, we're going to be a good steward of time. That was fun. All right. So, so Shannon, from, you know, what has been the greatest thing, positive or negative, the biggest or greatest thing that's happened to you that's ruffled your feathers? And how did you respond to it? Personally or professionally? Pick one. Uh, interesting, interesting. I know at one point, this is going back a million years, uh, at yeah. one point... Thank you. Um, one point, Babs and Dan, how we had we used to have licensed coaches. We don't have that anymore, and we were selling into a particular region. And then Dan and Babs, for a business decision, decided that they were going to give our territory away. We were not happy about that. It actually both of us shut down our productivity for about six weeks. <laughs> it was a bit of a disaster. Um, so what I've what I've learned from that, more importantly, and I was younger and a little little less mature. Um, what I learned from that is it's super important to give context. It's super important to give people to communicate your intention, why, even if it's hard, even if it, especially if it's going to be challenging for them, what the thinking behind it is, include them in the conversation so that even if they don't like it, they can understand and appreciate it, if that makes sense. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I learned from that. I hate being at the effect of it. The other thing I learned is that I need to be author of my own domain. Like I, it's very important to me to have my own thing going. And I do, I create the whole strategic coach team programs, obviously with a ton of teamwork, uh, but that's, that's been my baby. Right. And I have a lot of latitude to create new things, to make decisions, to all of that. And so it's been very like Dan and Babs and I all have very similar Colby's. Babs is three three nine two. Dan's two two ten four. Yes, same as my husband. I'm three two nine five. So I always describe us as, as you know, Dan's got the program, Babs has the company, and I have team programs. Not that I don't, you know, collaborate a lot on the other two areas, 
but we're really good neighbors over the fence. Mm. I don't tell Dan what to do. I don't tell Bounce what to do. They don't tell me what to do. It's all good, right? And so we've kind of grown up a lot. That's why we have more of a partnership than anything else is because we really respect um, other people's domains. So I was much happier and also sale. I'm excellent at sales, but not unique. So moving into my area of expertise and creating that much happier to go back to your previous examples than I was being, and I couldn't, I was not complete. I was not the total steward of my own domain in that other area. So I'm, I'm much happier doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I think that's so important though, Shannon, to say that, of that you have, you have the autonomy. Yes. Right. You have autonomy and that is so crucial to be able to, you can, you, you know, you're, you're steering your own ship. We are, I'm part of something bigger than myself, but yet within that, I have autonomy to, to lead what I need to lead rather than being told what to do or put a, or somebody putting, putting parameters around you is probably like a really bad idea. Yeah. There's, so this other profile I mentioned called print, um, which stands for imprint, uh, which I love and it, it, it uncovers your, your basically one of two of your nine motivations. It's, 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 it's loosely associated cousin of Enneagram, if anyone's familiar with that. And my two underlying motivations are to enjoy life and be happy and to be strong and self-reliant. And the strongest self-reliant is like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Bad things will happen. Bad things will happen. So I'm having, so I'm having, me. I'm having your sister, Julia, on the podcast. She is scheduled. Fantastic. And, and I promised her I would do my print because we're going to have so much fun because I'm going to interview her. Right. And then we're going to do a back-to-back -back and she's going to interview me. So it's going to be super fun. That's going to be so fun. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Love it. Okay, so uh, did you know that geese fly 71% further and faster when flying in the V formation than when flying alone? 71%. That's a huge, that's a massive percentage. That's a massive percentage, massive percentage. And um, that's why you never, so I would say about being with organizations, like if you just, if you watch nature, nature doesn't try, mm -hmm. nature does. And when you're trying to help, you know, just understand that. So. What do you think the secret is to getting a team? This is this is right in your this is right in your wheelhouse here, Shannon. What do you think the secret is to getting a team flying in that V formation? Ooh, okay. How long how long do we have? <laughs> um, the you number one. That's for your yeah, really, <laughs> exactly right. Uh, the number one, the number one step, and I, this is, it, it's know thyself. If if people are unaware slash clueless slash not interested in understanding what their unique strengths are, their unique non-strengths, where, what gives them energy, what doesn't give them energy. And they're, and they're unwilling to, I keep, I don't usually use the term lean in, but they're unwilling to embrace that mm -hmm. um, next to impossible. And it's interesting because people's minds can override them. So people can have a goal of having this kind of status in organization or this title or this whatever, and they can override their own instincts you know this, you've done studies on it, it makes people sick. Mm -hmm. yes. Your research for that. Um, your research is so good. And it, it, so they'll override themselves. I cannot create what I would call a unique ability team or a, or the 71% efficiencies from flying at a V um, if someone's unwilling to do that. So that's number one. You have to know, accept, embrace, engage with yourself. And that is, that is cognitive in terms of your what you know. It's affective in terms of what you're interested in and passionate about that makes a massive it 
the whole creative process kicks off with with what you care about, with motivation. If you're not motivated, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. You're not going to employ your brain or your striving instincts to get anything done. And then how do you strive? How do you problem solve? And really, once you appreciate, what I find really interesting is once you appreciate your own strengths, unique ability to use that term, it makes it very easy to appreciate other people's. If you think everyone's the same, then you're just going to be mad at them for not being like you. My favorite quote comes from an an old client, um, Peter. He goes, before I knew about Colby, I thought everyone was just like me, only not as good. (laughs) Brilliant. And you think that just, it's so true. We all think that people should be like us. They're just screwed up on purpose. Yeah. And so when you have an appreciation with Colby and print and Clifton strengths and all all the other things, it just means you actually can appreciate how people are unique and different and how they can contribute to you and to the project, more importantly. I, so uh, that was, that's number one. I'll cut you off for a second there because one of them, one of my favorite lines that I, that I created and I use in my in, in my speaking is no one ever gets up in the morning and says, gee, I sure wish I hope I sure hope I I sure hope I do a crappy job today. Right. No one ever sets out to to do that. No, and unless yet. they're really mad at the company. <laughs> <laughs> and and yet other people though say, well, how come they're doing such a crappy job? They they never set out to do that. So yes, they're yes. So they were they were just like me, just not as good. <laughs> so I've just always Peter, brilliant quote. Uh, so I think know thyself is one, but that's not enough. Um, if there's if they're if they're not really clear on where they're going, mm-hmm. if they don't know the direction, you've got a bunch of really talented people flying on every which direction. So really being clear on the and. And the way we define it at Coach, so we have a couple of tools, Strategy Circle, Impact Filter, Certainty, Uncertainty. Um, we have amazing thinking tools. But it's like, what does it look like in terms of the results? What does it look like when it's done and done well? So that's part of it. And then why are we doing it? What's the mm-hmm. purpose, importance, and ideal outcome? So really being clear on that. So if you're the leader or if you're co-creating it with your team, that also works really well. Then everyone's bought in and engaged, kind of going back to my previous example, um, and then they can actually employ their talents. Um, and then I would also add, and this comes out of our certainty uncertainty tool, knowing, stating what you know now, like what is certain, what is, what's a known quantity and what don't we know? Mm. And that's what we've dis- discovered, especially, from, you know, I only work with, we only work with entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurs have this idea and they're like, okay, great, we're doing it. And the team's like, yeah, what about, what about, what about, what about? And if you actually lay out, the, if, the, if the entrepreneur or the leader lays out the uncertainty, it's this actual massive invitation to teamwork. Someone's like, well, you don't know that, but I know where we can go find out, or I have some some knowledge from a previous experience that I had, or, hey, so-and-so is an expert in this. I'm sure they would know. And so when when the leader who looks like they've got their act together and knows everything, or at least people presume you do, which we never do, um, when you say, what do we know and what don't? what's unknown, what I'm uncertain about, that is an invitation for people to contribute their best talents and knowledge. So it's, again, going back, it's it's people knowing, accepting, and embracing, and leaning into um, their own strengths and, and capabilities, their unique ability. It's being super clear on the direction. And then in terms of the getting there, it's really keeping working. Like, what do we know now that we didn't know yesterday? And keeping working those uncertainties out. And then I find that people achieve the result. Um, so that's, those are like simplified three steps in terms of doing it. The other thing though, there has to be a mindset. There ha- the right, they have to have what I would call an entrepreneurial mindset, which means you have to be willing 
to work for something bigger than you. Mm. If you're just in it for your own status, if it's you, Inc., and I don't mean that in a good way, I mean that in the, you're just looking to kind of like climb up the ladder so that you get what you want and the rest of stuff isn't as important, that's not, that's never going to work. You have to be willing to include yourself and be included as part of something bigger that's meaningful. Like you could have a goose flying by itself. It's It might get there. Exhausted. Sick and hungry. Right. Um, but flying together, it's like, no, you're actually working to help everyone get there. And that has to be a value. That's also a value, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. So it kind of, that might even precede everything else. Uh, you have to be willing to see that the, the, the whole is greater than any one individual, mm -hmm. as long as you're aligned on those values. Those are some of the things that come to mind as you, as you ask that question more. I'm sure we could spend hours talking about this and it's a passion for both of us, yep. but those are some of the key elements that I've found. Cause if those are not true, it can't happen, mm. which is kind of how I figure things out. It's like, Oh, what, what if it's not true would prevent this from working. And those are some of the things. I have a sneaking suspicion there's going to be a part two to this podcast. Yay. A part two. We're going to, we might dive deep right into that piece. That'll be super fun. All right. So Shannon Waller, what are you doing right now to better the pond? What ripples are you creating? Oh my goodness. Such a big question. Um, I think it actually comes back to my unique ability statement, which I did with my, with the wonderful Julia Waller. I'm just going to pull it off the wall as we speak. So the more I can do this, I'm just going to read you my statement, if I may, because it feels like it's relevant. So my unique ability is intuitively perceiving the essence of a situation, then innovating and compassionately communicating practical strategies to align people's thinking with what's real, so they're happy with themselves, maximizing their growth, working as a team, and fulfilling their purpose. So when I am coaching, do you like that? I do. I love it. Oh, this is for you. I know, right? <laughs> That's what unique ability is. So, and so there's like 10, there are 10, my best unique ability habits, but it distills down to this sentence. So that's, that's who I am. That's kind of my, my raison d'etre, right? That's when, when I am freed up to do this, I am making the biggest difference that I know how to make with my, with my gifts, with my talents. And when I'm not doing it, not so much. So that shows up in terms of how like activities I'm doing, coaching, coaching, coaching. So that can be our 10X clients. It could be our team. It could be working with our clients and their executive leadership teams, which I also love doing. We call them on-site, so strategic coach. Um, when I'm working with our team to help them do this, that also falls under that. So I'm I'm really lucky. I get to, there's another team I'm working with, which is newer, which I'm still finding my way in that one. Uh, but the more I can be in that kind of coaching, encouraging role, which does mean, aligning people's thinking with what's real. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's not really working. Uh, but if I can find a way to do it that is in a way that's for them, then then I'll be successful, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what I'm, that's who I am in terms of bettering the pond. And then those are some of the ways that I'm doing it. I love working with 10X entrepreneurs. I love working with 10X team leaders, which is another group I have in Chicago. Uh, I love working with our team. I love working with Dan. So I work with Dan on the quarterly books. I interview him based on his fast filters and mini impact filter. I um, Then we do the final version. We do the video. Um, I do Inside Strategic Coach podcast with him. I love doing my own podcasts. 
So any way that I'm creating value for our audience based on real issues, not pretend, not theoretical, not just, it's not just cognitive. It has to make a difference in terms of how people feel and how they act. Um, then I feel like I'm bettering the pond, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, I have one question for you, and, and you know, we won't dive even again. If we do part two of this, we can dive deeper into these things. But, you know, you say, I, I love working with 10X entrepreneurs. I love working with Dan. I love working with, why do you love it so much? Ooh, because it's fun. So and, but Dan and Babs and I and Bruce all have the same enjoy life and be happy motivation. So it's fun. It's light. It's, it, I got a great compliment one time. Um, and it's an expression that comes from one of our coaches coaching. Her name's Teresa Eastler. And she goes, and one of her team members said, Shannon, you really got a good line of being lighthearted, serious minded. Mm. And that I'm like, oh, thank you. That was such a gift because I love getting, you know what, done, but I also like to have fun doing it. And so when we can create new things that's super useful, I mean, I actually say to Dan, going, this is circling back to philosophy, my first year of university. I am, I get to sit and hang out with Dan in the free zone workshops, in our podcasts, in, in our books. And I am with one of the world's best philosophers. Mm -hmm. That's who I get to hang out with. We get to explore mindsets. We get to explore thinking. We get to explore approaches to the world. That's philosophy. Right. And I, and I feel like I've circled back to when I was 18, which is kind of wild. That was, that was 40 years ago. And like how how lucky am I? So I've actually stayed on the path, which is really cool. Um, but now I've just found someone who's way more practical and relevant, in my opinion. Um, and and so that's why I love it. I get to think really cool thoughts with really cool people doing really impactful work. What is not to love in that picture? None of it is none of it is theoretical. It's all practical and real and makes a difference. I get to see the difference in our clients every single quarter. And there's nothing there's nothing better. You know, there was always the statement of saying, finding something, find something that you love and then learn how to make money at it. And, 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 or if you're, or you find something you love, you never have to work another day in your life, blah, blah, blah. And I always thought they were so cliche. I thought, you know, like, yeah, sure. Wouldn't that be nice if, and, but what I found fascinating is when you find that it is, it is very true. It is I just, bet. I, I tell people I get paid to play. I get paid to play. It's not work. It's fun. It's joy. And it's love. Right. And so I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. Yay. I love that. It's and and it is such an it's it's such an unrealistic goal for most people. Mm -hmm. But being in the more entrepreneurial space, you actually have the freedom to choose. And so not only do I get to do what I love, I also don't need to do the things I'm crap at and mm -hmm. that I don't love that are draining my energy. Because even if something takes 5% of my time, if I really don't have the mental energy for it, it can take up 50% of my brain. Right. Maybe more. So I think it's a, a combination of doing what you love with your audience. And when you talk to Julia, I think this will be a key part of the conversation, at least it is for me. People's unique ability doesn't change, but their audience does. Mm. They get really refined. Like who claps? Who says thank you? Who rewards you? Who pays you? That's your audience. And your audience, my audience has gotten more and more refined. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't work with the same people I worked with in 1995. I now work with 10X team leaders. That's with whom I work from a team side. So I think, you know, doing what you love with the people you love and then also not having to do the things that you're not good at. So mm -hmm. I didn't set up this conversation. Katrina did. My, right. my brilliant support partner, who's my total Colby compliment, 6733, right? If I had to do that part, 
not that I don't love talking to you, but the whole experience wouldn't be as fun as it is. It's like a 10 out of 10. Right. But it would have, so not degrading the experience, I think is also part of it. No one talks about, but not, you know, if you had to do fact finding all day, Warren, you'd be like, tell me now. Oh, oh shoot me now. Yeah. 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 My head used to be asleep on the, I mean, I'm an excellent reader. My mom taught me to read when I was three and I would go to the Toronto reference library and pass out. <laughs> You'd find my head on the desk. It was all fact-finding, and it just exhausted me. It's great. It's a great way to sleep. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so I have two more questions already, and we're going to get you out of here. So yeah. what is one lesson that you've learned along your along your journey that you would share with an entrepreneur starting a business today? Starting a business today. Interesting. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So be re okay. So my, my number one thing is, well, there's actually, there's it's a two-parter. So know yourself, right? Don't, because the last thing you want to do is design a business around what doing what you don't like to do. That would be not a wise thing to do. And you're a smart human. Uh, the other thing is to be pay extraordinary attention to the goals and what we call their, the dangers, opportunities, and strengths of your of your audience. Who do you love? Who do you want to be a hero to? And then know everything about them in terms of what their future holds, what wakes them up at 3 a.m. from a worry standpoint. What are they worried about? Also know what might keep them up because they're excited. <laughs> what are what opportunities are they excited about? And then also please, please, please don't neglect what they're great at. You know, they have a ton of strengths without you right? That they can lean on. And then you can simply supplement with your strengths to complement theirs to help them get where it is they're going. And we call this the DOS conversation. So, and you would remember this from coach. It's like when you, when you know this intimately with your audience, they grant you what Dan calls a value creation monopoly. It's not the monopoly where it's imposed. They grant it to you. It's like, you know me so well, why would I ever work with anyone else? That would be stupid. Mm -hmm. And they, so they've granted you that value creation monopoly because you know, their goals, their dangers, their opportunities, their strengths, and then obviously how to how to create a solution for them that get, that gets them that, then that's an incredible relationship. So I would I would do that. And and Dan always says, you know, basically work with check writers. Don't don't bounce your ideas off people who can actually write you a check. Um, and start with one. Don't don't try and create something for billions. Start with one human. That is actually the thing to do. If you do that. And you create value for that one person, then two, then ten, then twenty, then forty. Then that's kind of how that how that goes. Mm. You said something really interesting. Um, you know, who do you want to be a hero to? I think it's an incredible mindset. If you put yourself in that mindset, um, and then you know, and then there'll then there'll always be gratitude on both sides of the equation. Yeah. Yeah, and and the truth is, we're not going to create value for people that we don't love, that we don't appreciate, where we don't trust. And, and that's, again, that's, that's one of Dan's quarterly books. All this is Dan's thinking, in case you're wondering. Uh, so who do you want to be a hero to? Because it's, it's tough, to create, <laughs> tough to create value doing something you're bad at, mm -hmm. not your ability. It's really tough to want to create value for someone you don't love, care for, or respect. Mm -hmm. Why would we do that? So when, you're, when you want to be a hero to someone, it's in, and knowing who that is, and I got to tell you, it's a narrow band, right? Mm -hmm means that you get to have a great relationship with them, as you said, as opposed to kind of contorting yourself. What Dan has a description. Contorting yourself into a shape to, to serve people you don't even like. Right. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? 
And and that's when people hear people get resigned and tired and bitter and they and they kind of demean their clients and they talk poorly about them. I'm like, oh, that's bad. Mm-hmm. It's it's painful on both sides. I wouldn't want to be their client. I sure as heck wouldn't want to be them. Um, so yeah, choose have your audience be who you want to be a hero to, and that can be very very narrow. Narrow the narrow the niche, the bigger the market is another Dan expression. Yep. No, I agree with that. All right. So one last question. Shannon Waller, if you were standing on the top of a mountain and the whole world was intently listening to you, what would you say? I will say my latest lesson that I've been learning from Dan, which is keeps showing up in different ways, and it would be to take yourself seriously. Take your dream seriously, take your strength seriously, take your non-strength seriously, take your ambition seriously, take your relationship seriously, take yourself seriously. When what that means is that you, you're your point of reference, not the world's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's and every time I look at where I need to grow more in my life, it's where I wasn't taking myself seriously enough. Not it doesn't, it can still be in a lighthearted way, but you take yourself bloody seriously. I think I think all the growth and development you would ever and and results that you want from your life um, actually come out of that. So I'm so glad you asked because that was when I that was almost my answer to the second to- question until or the first second last question before you added the for, for people starting a business. But that's been my latest lesson lately is to take myself even more seriously than I do now. Um, and every time I have, that's when new opportunities have shown up. So be lighthearted, serious minded. Love it. Yes. All right. So, Shannon. Oh, by the way, while I say this, um, I'll get this on camera, but will you please send me your unique ability statement? I will. I have okay. it right here. I'm okay. probably going to, if I can't find it on my desktop, you know I'm going to be asking Julia for it, right? Okay. Yeah, but send it to me. I absolutely will. I want it. Okay. All okay. right. So I want to thank you, Shannon Waller, for your time today. Um, I thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for everything you're doing to better the pond because you just are an amazing human being. We love you so much. Um, if anybody wants to find you, where do we go? Oh my goodness, uh, a couple places. So LinkedIn is probably the best from a professional standpoint. That's definitely the place to go. And references to all my other goodies are there. If you're interested in all things entrepreneurial team related, check out the Team Success podcast. Um, and then, yeah, that, those are kind of the best places to go. Check me out. Oh, I know. There's some cool downloads at yourteamsuccess.com. Um, and there you can actually get a copy of the entrepreneurial attitude exercise that was the basis of the team success handbook. And that for me is, um, yeah, that's where all my goodies go. My recommended reading list, all the things are on yourteamsuccess.com. Yourteamsuccess.com. We'll get that in the show notes so that people can go there. So, all right, there you have it, folks. We had a wonderful time here with Shannon Waller and this is Warren Berry and I'm flocking off to take you beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Thank you so much, Shannon. Was that was that was that a kiss? Yes, it was. Uh, this was such a delight. I am. I'm like you. Just made my day. So thank you. Oh, good. And shall we do a part two? I would love to do a part two. Okay, you. we're gonna set that up because I want to dive deep into some things together. Well, you're just. I love your perspective. You're so smart, and and your passion for people and teams. Um, it just like just pours out of you. It's just who you are, and. And, you know, and if we can, if we can harness some of that and, and, and share with others to learn, then I think that, you know, we've kind of done our part. Yeah. And if people can be happy with themselves and what they're doing, 
that fulfills my mission and contributes to other people. So yes, I will talk about that all day, every day. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. Cheers.